Um, some people are calling Squid Game an unflinching portrayal of the wealth gap. <laughs> what do you call? You it? Watch, have you have you watched Squid Game yet? No, Terrence? I've not watched it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I I love the. Uh, here's what I here's what I strive to be. I want to be one of those guys that's like several months late to a cultural moment. Uh huh. But I'm unaware of it. But I go around telling pe- people, "Hey, man, if you you watch that Squid Game on Netflix." <laughs> I thought about doing that with like, you pick something like the best example would be like the Carol Baskin thing. I never watched it at the time or got into it, but like getting into it right now, like. <laughs> Bringing back the Carol Baskin memes. That that was like at the very beginning of the pandemic, wasn't it? Like last year. Yeah. Do you remember when they were fl- like it would be like uh, something bad would happen because in those days every day something bad happened. It it'd be like the meme would say, and "It's because that bitch Carol Baskin, <laughs> Carol Baskins or whatever her name was." We should have known. We should have known. Like. There was so much optimism early on in the pandemic. I remember thinking like, oh, you know, this could be a reset. This could be an opportunity. But I should have known when that was what was like floating around in the ether that there was no hope. We never had any you, hope. It's funny because like now, you know, like now there's like an established amount of time that things feel retro, quote unquote retro or whatever. Yeah. But it's weird. That was only what about two years ago now. Uh-huh. But early pandemic feels very like mid two thousands to me for some reason. Does it like in terms yeah. of in your mind, like the sort of spatio temporal location in your mind? What I'm saying is, Tiger King feels like it came out in two thousand seven. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it definitely had a 2000s reality show. I mean, but it was a documentary, wasn't it? I never saw it. I, I, I've got a confession, Mac. I quit watching it after like three episodes. I had a friend who was like, no, you know, uh, you know, who was like trying, trying to convince me to watch it. And I was like, no, I, I'm going to stay the course on this. I don't always call things right, all right? I make a lot of mistakes. It's not always a home run for T-Ray. But every now and then, I call them right. And that one, I said, no, hold the line. I know where this is going. Stay away from the Tiger King (laughs) because you're going to make a lot of bad jokes about it. Yeah. And and in a year's time, you're going to feel silly that you ever watched it to begin with. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. It's so funny, man. The other night, so I have two computers, one that I work for, that I use for the show, and one that I use for writing. My writing computer is old as fuck. I've had it since 2012. Is that the one when you had that bad trip you told me to erase all your early writings on? (laughs) That's the one, baby. You gave me all your passwords, you said... (laughs) Make sure my make sure my <laughs> make sure my brother Casey gets my estate. <laughs> I said, "What about Braden?" You said, "No, just just Casey." Or maybe I got that backwards. Yes. For the sake of your brothers, listen. I'll make them. I'll let them think. I'll let them wonder who it really was. <laughs> but just want, just know, just one of the Ray brothers just got one. the estate. <laughs> yeah, it switches daily. It does. So. Um. 
You know, it's funny because I was th- I was actually thinking about that the other day too, and it's like every winter for me is like trying to land a plane with one wing or something, one functioning engine. Like, I, like it is constantly every winter. It's a game of like. Will I have a psychotic or nervous breakdown by the end of the month of December? And it's like, and I like, and and I almost like, there are multiple times every winter where I'm like, I'm doing it, baby. I'm doing it. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And, uh, you know, it, but then like that year, we came down to literally the last day of the year. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, just completely fucking lost it. Well, think about what a harbinger this was, okay? Because. We were going to go see Unknown Henson, who just a couple of months later would be canceled for saying BLM's a domestic terrorist group and Dolly Parton's a big titty freak or something like that. You're right. So he 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 kind of went away. So that was like an early 2000s thing, the cancellation of Unknown Henson. At the same time, yeah, that man, what a weird time. <laughs> That happened just a few months before the world fell apart, too. Yeah. That's the weird thing about it, man. Like, um, you think you're playing things correctly. And, you know, you look at your life and you're like, oh, you know, like, so far I made some bad choices and some mistakes, but I also made some good decisions and they've paid off further on down the line. But then you look back in hindsight and you're like, those good decisions I made were like the smallest decisions, like the most imperceptible things. So it's like, then you start overthinking it and you're like, what am I doing in my day-to-day life that I'm laying the groundwork for future misery and pain? Am I doing it right or am I doing it wrong? It's this constant yeah. like, you know? And you can never truly know in the end. No, it's weird. Like it's crazy how much of life comes down to just luck and chance i see now luck. why you're into gambling it's if it it's, it's some pure sometimes the way to navigate it without getting to the december 31st breakdown is just wagering on everything constantly making that calculation in your head what's the over under here Man, I don't even do that. When January 1st rolls around, I just pretend it's December 32nd. That is the beauty of being at the end of history. Is There's not really sort of a demarcation between like, you know, what was and what is to come anymore. It's just all a perpetual cycle of, well, trying to squeeze some moments of happiness and clarity out of, uh, you know, what can only be termed as, uh, you know, hell (laughs) (laughs) so i wonder if people if there is a hell if people there are like kind of manage it the way we do winter yeah yeah because you're gonna be there forever yeah might as well make the best of it i guess (laughs) that's kind of how i feel like i don't know like i've recently i've been asking myself like is it gonna be like this every winter for the rest of my life and the answer sadly probably is yes to that unless you let me ask you a question did you get like this when you were growing up in the desert when the winters weren't as no stark no but here's the thing i'd say like 90 percent. <laughs> but then again i guess it, in the desert 
it every day is winter in a way. <laughs> Everything's dead already. You you yeah, have that right. baseline, um, you know, ubiquitous death around you at all times, which is all very right. helpful. Yeah. It helps you not to get above your raisin, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I don't know. The, the, no, the thing is, is it's all, like, conditioning. Like, every bad thing that's happened to me in my life has has generally occurred between the months of September and December. And so that's what I mean, like, by the time December comes around, it's you've been conditioned at this point. You know what I mean? You, you expect the bad things to happen because yeah. they have, you know, statistically, traditionally happened this time of year. And yeah, I don't know I'm how trying you, to, I don't know how you uh, control for that. I don't know how you deal with it. <laughs> I don't know either, man. I think I think you just have to I you know what I've never really understood is acceptance. Because people are like, Well, you just gotta accept it. And like I've read things about people that like get horrible diagnoses and stuff like that. Diagnosis is whatever. And it's like, um you know, uh, like, how do you, how do you keep a, um, I guess a sound mind or, a, or as close to a sound mind as you can when you know that something bad is happening? And then I, I somebody read, I read, heard somebody say one time that we're all terminal. It's just a matter of how much time you got left. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So for somebody that could be six months, for another person that could be sixty years. But the point is, is we're all sort of making our matriculation to to the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> but so the, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, people say yeah, acceptance, but there's mindfulness. Obviously, you take every thing as it comes, and you try to be intentional. About the ways you show up in the world, obviously. I mean, That's true. I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like what passes for mindfulness or what we call that is maybe helped me out. Definitely. Uh, in a few occasions. On a few occasions. But it, it definitely seems like in typical 2010s, 2020s fashion, we've now made that basically the solution to everything like um is your life a living hell and you're uh, addicted to a substance and in jail in and out of jail etc cetera, etc cetera, for your own failings we'll just try mindfulness like it's crazy to me the extent to which that gets peddled as a solution to a lot of really it's amazing and it's and also on just on its own merits mindfulness is is I won't say it's horseshit necessarily, but it it's um, it's something approaching horseshit. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of things in this. Listen, world. if these people won't let me bash science, I'm going to bash pseudoscience. Okay, <laughs> this is how I deal with the winter times. People deal with it. There are things that are definitely horseshit, and things that are approaching horseshit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, here's here's the thing. Okay, let me ask you this. Mindfulness and chiropractic, where, do you put them on the same level of approaching horseshit? Like, I need to know. I, need I, you to think, hi- I think chiropractic is approaching horseshit, 
by virtue of its lineage as a philosophy that was dictated to somebody by a ghost. <laughs> is it uh, more horseshit but, than but mindful? But the reason it's not full-blown horseshit is because whether placebo or not, at least some people get some relief from it, so you can't really call it quackery. Yeah, you know, um, that's the thing, man. Here's my thought on that, and this kind of ties back into our discussion last week about, like, you know, science in the time of Isaac Newton versus now and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is, is like, the guy that invented chiropractic was probably, I mean, probably was happening in a time when spiritualism was big, and to, like, really, you know, get some steam, he was like, well, I'm going to say that a spirit from beyond the grave dictated these techniques to me. Because that's the only way only way people understood things. Then. That this was a marketing. Of Edgar Casey. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's true, because a lot of people will say that about now. I mean, a lot of advertising probably does appeal to that more kind of, like, mystical, you know, tarot. I know it's very popular right now. And astrology and everything. And so, like... But what? you're you're on thin ice with what you just said. Just choose, <laughs> choose your next words carefully. <laughs> no, I contrary to popular belief, I like astrology. I mean, I'm um, I'm skeptical of it, but I I do like to read it, and I do um, I do find myself using it a lot. Like I do find myself wondering what that person's sign is, even though like I don't put a lot of stock in it, but. It's something- so you go around telling the boys this Virgo moon's really giving me a case of the horribles. So guys, uh, yeah. Uh, like what the you, fuck has gotten into him? You imagine going talking to the boys about astrology. <laughs> I'm gonna start it. I'm I'm just gonna be out and proud and say I like it. I'm into it, and Dude, I'm just gonna go, when I go hang out with y'all. I'm just gonna say, boys, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, or you know something about the. Virgo moon or Mer- Mercury being in retrograde. So. Throw, throw it into the gas station, man. See what happens. I'll build off. I got your back. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll have your back if you do that. Nothing else we can drive Matt nuts with. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the. Uh, but like two weeks ago, someone read my tarot card and it was like catastrophic. It was like the worst possible thing is heading your way. It basically like that's like and what are you supposed to make of that you know it's like uh, even also, if you suspect also, who let me ask you a question who was the practitioner it was one and, of nicole's friends oh why would they do that to you well it's just if somebody drew a horrible card i would just be like yeah, i mean well you know <laughs> you see it, the card. you can see the card though like you te- you know you flip it off the top oh yeah that's true I mean, I don't yeah. know what the cards mean. They could, they should have just said like everything looks great, man. <laughs> yeah, they, they could have told you anything. Everything's great. And then when you left, they could just be like, "Oh my god, this guy's a goner." <laughs> I'm walking around. That's completely. the worst draw I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> just completely blissfully ignorant. Yeah, that's all. There's there's value in that. I have to say, there's value in that. Well, maybe maybe they read it wrong. Maybe the card was a positive thing, and maybe they read it wrong to me, to that so that like I would get my expectation, set my expectations low. And uh, well, the, uh, what kind? Do you know what kind of deck they used? I don't, man. There's just like there's all kinds of styles now. Like 
I saw an article in the New York Times the other day about how popular this is getting and how there's so many different like artisanal tarot card makers out there right now. Uh, that's just a sign of how bad things are. <laughs> Interest, interest in spiritualism. There is a symbiotic relationship with how bad the material circumstances are with the interest in spiritualism. Yeah, I mean, what was the last big thing? Like, 19th century, right? Yeah. I mean, but also, too, I mean, uh, you know, like in the 60s and 70s when like, there was all these riots breaking out in Newark and race riots in like Newark and Detroit and different places, like... I think Ouija boards sold more than Monopoly for the first time in history. Yeah. And I'm, I'm willing to bet Ouija boards are probably outselling Monopoly today. I've not looked at that. Can we get a number crunch on that, intern, somebody? <laughs> <laughs> Would be um, something interesting to look into. Speaking of interns, where I was going with my laptop earlier was... You know, I am constantly playing this game, much like with my mental health, I'm constantly playing this game with my physical hard drive memory where on this one computer where it's constantly like getting close to being completely filled and I have to go back in and delete a bunch of shit. Well, so I sat down Friday night and I was stoned and I was like, well, tonight might be a good night to go and just clean a bunch of shit out of here. Um, so, you know, I did that and like, it's always, dude, it can put you in such a good or bad space, like quote unquote nostalgia, like looking back at the past, looking back through scrapbooks, photos and stuff. But I put on an old episode of Digital Bedroom, just me and you cutting it up when I was like 26 and you were like 28 or something. We should put one of those out and see what people think. We were in our 20s and... um and uh, it was like, on one level, I was like, damn, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But on another level, I was like, damn, <laughs> we've come a long way. <laughs> well, I mean, there is sort of a, one episode I remember is, <laughs> and also in another way, it's like, <laughs> the show is kind of the same as this one is in some ways. So I remember the episode we did about the guy, what's the guy that washed up with the mysterious thing sewn in his shirt? In Australia, oh, Tamam should, yeah, the um, yeah, yeah, the Tamam should case, I think is what it was called. Yeah, yeah, that might be a good. That's the thing. Courage or something. Man, we we could have just been a we if we would have actually just been doing podcasts instead of radio radio that mostly went out into the ether. Never, I only have like six episodes of that whole show we did we that did shit for, for what two or three years three years and i have six yeah. episodes you know like that's because yeah. like i didn't want to there was like no point in recording any of them but every now and then i'd be like yeah i'm gonna turn this into something <laughs> never did vanish to the dust man <clears throat> yeah i don't know man. why i had i don't even know why i brought that up um what we were talking about even before that but i guess just like winter time and uh, I don't know, like looking at your past self and how your past self co- coped with various things versus now, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like we were yeah. so confident, bro, me and you, in like 2014 or 15, 15 it, this, this specific episode was from 2015, that like the rise of Bernie Sanders was a sign 
that like people were waking up. I'm, it's so cringe for me to even say that out loud. We were young guys. I mean, <laughs> oh man, young, young and stupid. But it's interesting, right? Like we were optimistic. Like that was our modality. Like our sort of and then default we, state. Then we ran. Then we went back to that in yeah. 2020, or for that election. You know, <laughs> the lead up to it, anyway. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. yeah. God, man. Um. Well, um, I don't know. I guess. So, you know, I I was really nervous about doing the show today. Like, how do you talk about something like, like a, an insane, like, weather event, you know? Like, yeah. this is, it's awful. It, it's like, defies comprehension, really. You don't know what to say. That's, that's crazy. And I guess, first off, just uh, uh, shout out to everybody that sent us messages that... Uh, checking on our how we were doing if we we're okay and everything. I I went to bed the other night and like this was like and this is what you do with storms, right? We don't really even when I was a kid and I like believed you could like pray for storms to stop and stuff like that. I didn't really want them to just go away. I just kind of want didn't really want them to dissipate. I just kind of wanted to push it around. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. As long as it's over there, it's gonna be fine. You know. Uh. So I went to bed, and then I was like, oh, well, this is, you know, this is pretty far out of our path or whatever. And then I get woken up by what sounds like somebody just pulling, like, really hard on my front. I got, like, French doors, and they were just, like, pulling on those doors and, like, shaking it really hard. And I was like, what the fuck? And I, like, just kind of popped up. I was like, what the fuck? And I thought I was going to fight somebody or something. <laughs> and it just turned out, it was just like, you know. By the time the storm, I guess, had cut through western Kentucky, where it did the most damage and was headed like around the Louisville area, we got some pretty, pretty gnarly storms from it. Were you know? I mean, it's it defies comprehension, dude. It is so like it, it covered like two hundred miles just in Kentucky. Like stayed on the ground for hours. That which is. Cause you know, like t- t- tornadoes touch down. You hear of tornadoes touch down, and they're on the ground like ten, fifteen, and they do damage. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the one that hit West Liberty, I guess, probably around two thousand nine, two thousand ten, something like that. Well, this was like, like flatten that whole downtown, and it was, was like, like nothing compared to this. It was like a whole storm system because like Tennessee had like eighteen different tornadoes alone. Like, yeah, what the fuck? Dude, it it defies comprehension, and it's so terrifying also that it took place at night, and I think that was part of what made it so awful. And, you know... And in December. In December, really, is what is so mind-blowing about it. Um, I read something in the New York Times, like... You know, the New York Times of this coverage of this has been interesting, um, I'll talk about that more in a little bit. Um, but I saw this thing on one of their articles that said that, I guess, climate scientists, they're not sure whether there's a link between climate change and the frequency or strength of tornadoes, um, in part because of limited data. But researchers say that in recent years, tornadoes seem to be occurring in greater quote-unquote clusters. 
and that a so-called tornado alley in the Great Plains, where most tornadoes occur, appears to be shifting eastward. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's wild. Uh, but especially when you look at the path of this thing, like you've got this regional thing. It started out in like Arkansas, you know, went up through Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, Illinois. I mean, it is, um, I guess what I'm driving at here is like, at what point do we start naming these things? Like we do hurricanes. Like this is phenomenal. There's no other word for it. I I keep thinking about the vastness of something that's the big one that's 35,000 feet tall and a mile wide and was just on the ground for hours. Yeah. Well, I think about all the time. I think about like, um, um, what that article I think you'd sent me in the, in the New Yorker maybe seven or eight years ago or something like that about the big one about the big earthquake that's supposed to actually detach much of the Pacific Northwest from the coast and like what what are and it, and it, like most scientists believe it's actually not a matter of if but when with that one yeah and like what what does this mean for the future is it like to not get too far into some sort of like weird cosmic reasoning or worse like these shitty fucking liberals that think if you if you would have just voted for um you know uh literally Pete Amy Bud- McGrath Pete Buttigieg for alderman or whatever <laughs> literally Amy McGrath like if you really like cut out the bullshit what they're literally saying is if you would have voted for amy mcgrath this never would have happened this that, never would have happened somebody that said that mitch mcconnell's not pro-trump enough for her it's just oh like you know what i mean God. like let, let's just assume you have a point for a second it just falls apart under scrutiny <laughs> you know what i mean when you have your your net your your bulwark against the the climate catastrophe is Oh, Mitch McConnell's not pro-Trump enough for me. I'm going to be the most pro-Trump Democrat in the Senate, dude. And also, I did 9/11. <laughs> you know, I got to eat some crow on this one because um, on our most recent p- free episode, I said that like liberals don't really say stuff like this anymore. In my defense, I was kind of talking more like elected officials. I'm not sure if they ever really did say anything that brazenly genocidal, but I feel like it was implied in a lot of their statements. And it even still is in a lot of, like, Nancy Pelosi statements and stuff. Right. Um, but, uh, no, there really is still a cottage industry out there for this kind of stuff. It did. It does seem that, like, the people who made statements like that pretty much got shouted down and, and uh, you know, conceded that what, like, how absolutely of an insane a statement that is but uh no i mean it's it's wild i guess i guess fundamentally what's so striking about it to me and this is actually kind of like touching on what we were talking about on that most recent free episode the thing that makes the liberals and the post left basically the same or very similar anyways cut from the same cloth you know grown from the same petri dish is because they are both racist, but in different ways. So, like, when I see a liberal say something like that, like, 
fuck you, Georgia. Fuck you, Kentucky. Like, this is what you get for voting for McConnell. That is a racist statement to me. They, like, are refusing to engage with some very um, long-term, long-standing structural issues with the South. And they basically are, you know, consigning all POC communities in the South to uh, basically death and destruction because the the other people in the state, the rich, you know, people in the state don't vote the way they do. Um, so, like, it's just a racist statement to me. Well, I, I would have thought this genre would have went away after, like, like you saw, like, Stephen King and some of these other liberals talking shit about, like, uh, you know, when the winter storms hit Texas and the power grid went down and things were really dicey there for a while. Like, you know, like, oh, well, the, that, you know, like the, the, the subtext of those type of tweets are it's like, this is like some sort of like cosmic, karmic justice for yeah. not voting for Democrats or people that would lead on climate policy or whatever. And then what's the funniest part is like, they got their way, Joe Biden won, and kids, no, nobody talks about kids on the borders now. Right. Even though we know, we even though we know, like he's not closed those camps down or anything like that, not made any real progress in that area. In fact, I think deportations have skyrocketed. Right? Uh-huh. I don't. Um, I you know I don't know that to be a fact, but every once in a while you'll see like a little infographic floating around, like AJ Plus or something that says right. that. But, but, yeah, I would have thought that you know this genre of analysis would have died off. You know, but no. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, first of all, like, I I guess I can see in their minds how they think that would be a slam dunk. Like, (laughs) like, I guess. I mean, I'm just trying to, like, understand this. But I guess there are people who are sociopaths, of course. And they want a lot of people to die. But then there are people who are, like, ignorantly sociopaths. Who they, like, they think that they're being... They think they're making some sort of profound or revelatory statement when, it in fact, all it reveals is how insane they are, you know? Yeah. yeah. Here's some tough medicine, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it sounds like you're just a fucking lunatic. Yeah. No, I mean, no. I, it's a cottage industry for a lot of different reasons. But it does kind of say what people like McGrath probably feel privately deep down. Like, they, all that they're talking about is that they just wish that the rich people in these southern conservative states voted for liberals. Like, they don't give a shit about poor people. They don't give a shit about black people. They don't give a shit about immigrants or any, anybody else. They just, Mm-mm. they just don't, they dislike how the elites in that state vote. It's just, it's just a fucking, like, in, it's, really, it's sort of like an interclass conflict. You know what I'm saying? Like, among the elite. Like, those rich liberals are pissed off that these rich people vote for conservatives. <laughs> right, yeah, it is. It's like it's like when you see that stuff, it's almost always I think that this person that said like the latest dust up thing, which is I'm even ashamed for even engaging with it because the same shit happens every time. Somebody says something uh genocidal that they think is some sort of revelatory own on people that quote unquote vote against their own interests. And then we just, it's just a never-ending stream of quote, quote tweets, dunking on this person again, whatever, whatever. Right. But, but it's almost always like, 
I feel like I think this person was like a, a screenwriter for like a bunch of different movies and TV shows. Like even I think she wrote for The Simpsons and like Frasier and a bunch she of like stuff. She or... wrote Twister. She wrote the hit. Did she write Twister? No, <laughs> that would that would have been nuts. There's like a, a character from my research from the uh, Oscar nominated Twister. Bill Paxton vehicle Twister. Hey, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was great. A good character, they're good. if they make those movies, dude, the '90s rock. And then Helen Hunt, remember? Helen she Hunt was, was in there, yeah. Like that they was like ne- her first turn on the silver screen after being like, "What was she mad about you?" Mad about you. If they reboot that movie, they won't because they don't do disaster movies like that anymore. But if they do, they need a character in there who's like a liberal from the Northeast whose brain is poisoned from too much Joy Ann Reed. To say something like insane, like that. you know how I would cast everybody would put, in the path I would of the just twister. Put Stephen King in there playing himself, right? He's yeah. like he's like writing a book about a superstorm or something like that, and it's like he's doing this for research, and then like he has to see up front, like, and then he's just like disgusted with like every like person he meets in a diner with a Trump hat, right? He thinks they deserve to die, yeah, from a tornado. In, in the end, like one of those guys pulls him in, like pulls him in his basement shelter right before he gets sucked into the eye of the storm and saves his life. And then he's like, you hillbillies are all right. <laughs> or whatever. Right. Dude, it, it's astonishing. There's, um, you know, and let me just say, like, this is also kind of on the back of my mind. You don't get to talk shit about that person who made that dumbass fucking uh, remark about how people in southern states deserve to die because of the they have conservative senators or whatever um well actually there is it actually isn't a, the same thing i was gonna say that if you if you say that you don't get to talk shit about people that take ivermectin and i do i do pretty much think that but it also does seem that like tornadoes kill a lot more people whereas it, the ivermectin thing was like a just a very specific like demographic it, I, the ivermectin thing is going to be like tiger king soon. yeah you're right you know, it was very cringe though. People, people were, like dressing as ivermectin for Halloween. Like, God, dude, come I, on! It's like, man, two years ago, man, I went as a tube of medicine for Halloween. Ah, <laughs> oh, bro, bro, it was pandemic times, man. It's different, different time. They're like, oh, that makes sense. Pandemic medicine, like, no, you, you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> It is it is it is funny that um, you know I was talking to my cousin last night. I went to a Christmas party in Cincinnati, and we were talking about um, well, his opening salvo was how much he hates taxes. <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, man, you know what? Before I couldn't agree with you, but now it's like, what do we really get for it?" He goes, "I know." And then I keep trying to push him down to like our taxes should be diverted away from military and police and into like infrastructure schools healthcare whatever whatever but he just keeps like just floating back to well you know like the other thing is is man it's like all the everybody that's like making money just like gets fucked <laughs> i was like okay well right but we're talking and, and we because he kind of uh he works with a guy or like a guy works for him that's like a q guy uh-huh and they had made a bet that uh, uh, my cousin was like, um, I, it, the guy comes in and says, I I bet you Joe Biden won't win eight states. And then my cousin's like, okay, I'll, I'll take that bet every day. <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. 
And he comes back after the election, and he was never going to make him pay or whatever, but he was just fucking with him. He's like, you got my money? He got my money? And he's like, Joe Biden didn't win. <laughs> and then, like, but he's, like, relaying these ideas to me. He's like, man, we really are kind of, like, at this end of history. Like, everybody lives in their own reality thing. Because he was not even saying that from a position of, objectivity like he truly believed joe biden was not the president of the united states that like that trump was going to swoop in and set this right any minute you know Uh uh-huh and uh we we were kind of talking about how like you know every decade leading up to like even the 2000s had its own distinct character you know influenced by cultural movements and like even disasters and political things that happen and and whatnot and now it's like shifted to where like culture feels stagnant and like the only thing that characterizes times now are the bad things that happen yeah oh dude absolutely it's just disaster that like marks that it like like you could not decipher 2020 from 2007 if there was not a pandemic yeah you know you know what i mean actually a good way to kind of gauge this is with that movie twister like disaster movies were so popular in the 90s that was the whole point that's that was what these movies these superhero movies are now that's what our superhero movies were in the 90s they were like dante's peak armageddon uh twister like the whole thing was like the planets independence day all of them were like take the planets your in peril yeah, arachnophobia. Remember that one? Uh, and even the big ones, you know, the big ones like uh, Day After Tomorrow and all these. Yeah, different ones. Yeah, it's just um, that was the that was it. And and now I don't know why. If it was because there was this, um, if it was entertaining, or if that was just a sort of like cheap and easy way to. But by the way, Twister is a really good. Um, anti-divorce movie it's the helen hunt and bill paxton in the characters in that movie if i remember correctly i think that they're getting a divorce and at every point like they're trying to sign the divorce papers like a twister comes and blows it away yeah it's it's probably kanye west's favorite movie right <laughs> yeah it's like the guys that are like stay together for the kids, like families number one, like they love Twister. Totally, totally. That, but that was the thing. It was like sometimes the disasters are for good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, but, but now like we don't have those anymore because like we just want to pretend that that isn't a thing or whatever. We don't find it entertaining anymore. So it's, yeah, it's become superheroes. And then like the, I don't know, it, 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 it I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, it's, I was listening to uh, there's a, a horror movie podcast called Postmortem with Mick Garris. I like to listen to it once in a while. I was listening this morning, and he was talking about basically, and it wasn't like a shot at like the new Halloweens or anything like that. But he was basically saying that like studios are like if you're in the horror genre specifically, like the reason like A24's had such success and like Spectre Vision and a couple of the others that are still putting out like standalone, non-franchise genre films um, is because like all the big studios only want reboots because they have to, they don't have to spend money promoting the next Freddy Krueger movie or Friday the 13th or whatever because 
Like it's already built in, right? It's just they can just play on that nostalgia. And that's that's the reason that shit is an overdrive. That kind of made sense to me. It's like it's like the reason that we're so subsumed by nostalgia has less to do with the idea that like things were better at a certain mm-hmm. period of time. That made that might there might be elements of truth to that, but I don't think that tells the whole story. Yeah. But rather what it is is these companies, it's easier to sell you stuff based on your memories and experiences and what gives you the warm fuzzies uh-huh. rather than like putting money behind a new thing and trying to create new cultural products or whatever the case is, you know. Well, and I also think that there has become this definite aversion to taking risks, at least when it comes to art. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I, I mean... Granted, there, that comes with a whole other sort of load of assumptions, but it is definitely true that, you know, a lot of art out there is not, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's genre. I guess you can write it off as like lowbrow at the end of the day, but I don't know, man. But, you know, that's kind of a new thing, though, if you think about it, because like, like, like comedy movies, for example, like take some like shampoo in the 70s. Like, comedy movies weren't genre-fied the way they are now. Like, well, in the 70s. Like, you could have cinema that was funny. You could have cinema that was scary. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But now, like, everything's so genre-fied that it has to be like a, oh, this is a Judd Apatow vehicle. This is like a, you know what I mean? It's like, fits in this, like, little... But, like, whereas, like, a Hal Ashby movie in the 70s could be hilarious, but it was still cinema. Yeah. Well, it, not even Apatow gets to make movie any anymore, though, yeah, right? Yeah, and, like, and that's no shade at Apatow either or anything like that. It's just it's just how things are, I think. Like, like there aren't comedy movies anymore, though. Like, all right. comedy now has just been put into those Marvel movies. Like, if you want right. to see some people, like, campy and have some dialogue and stuff, like, you go see Thor. And what's fine? I like Thor Ragnarok. I thought it, that was good, but like yeah, one of like maybe two or three good comic book movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like it's it's those. That's the most comedy you're getting at the movie theaters these days. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true, man. Like Apatow doesn't even get to make a you know a Seth Rogen vehicle anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's true. There are a few here and there, but it, they're far few and far between. It's like it's not even a genre that they employ anymore like because they, it they, would it would require taking risks and it would because that's what comedy is it would require taking risks and like maybe offending some people <laughs> but to, you, yeah. that's like dude that's way too um like that's hot water you know what i mean like they don't want to touch that it's really everything has become really that is to. true you couldn't make you couldn't and i'm not not to be like a we're cancel culture guys or anything like that but like yeah, you. It would be tough to even make something like old school or any of those like you know what they called the frat pack movies from like the early two thousands or anything like that. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's a good thing, bad thing, or otherwise. I'm not making a judgment call on it. But you're right. It probably would be tough. Well, or a little tougher anyway. Yeah, it's weird. I think. I mean, this is not an original point, but I think they think that people watch comedy movies and internalize the values of them and. They don't want that, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like it, it weirdly enough, they have this weird. They feel like they have this responsibility to like mold the values and virtues of the plebs. They like it's weird. Like they don't give a shit about our material circumstances. They'll let you go to work at 
7 p.m. on a Friday night working candles like overtime for the Christmas holiday rush in the line of a tornado. They'll let that happen, but it's weird. Like they have taken on this really weird responsibility of like, now you can't do this and you can't watch that. Like you might become a bad person. So you know what I mean? Like it's really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you might become a bad person if you do. Yeah. That's that that to them is unfair. Like, I mean, because they're not going to relent power. And so I guess that they think that that's how, like, we solve what they probably still call race relations, you know? Yeah. I guess. Like, what? I don't understand what their obsession with this is. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's certainly bizarre. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I don't even know how we got down that road. But, um, Twister. Disaster movies. (laughs) Yeah. Um, oh, we were talking about the lady that wrote that tweet, and she was also a screenwriter. No, she did not write Twister. (laughs) That would be, we should just put that out into the ether, though. It's like, you know what the ironic part is? Is that person (laughs) wrote Twister. She wrote that movie. She wrote, it's like she willed it into being. Right. Yeah. How much of that stuff? Like, listen. How much of that stuff do you believe in? Do you think? I'm not saying like you could speak a tornado into existence, but like, you know, if our consciousness and thoughts are causative, it is pretty weird that we made all these big budget disaster movies in the '90s and the early 2000s, and then all of a sudden that stuff is happening. That probably has more to do with, you know well we know climate change is coming and it's actually accelerating much quicker than we even thought rather than like we just spoke uh super tornadoes into existence you know what i mean well but one that we creepy. haven't one that we haven't gotten yet is independence day so i mean no one's blown up the white house with a massive laser yet and honestly what the fuck what of the fuck all are the you waiting for <laughs> <laughs> Now's the t- it's right for it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, this this whole thing is very dark. I mean, um and it's really hard to talk about and to feel any levity at all because the fact of the matter is is that a lot of these deaths could have been prevented from I mean, tornadoes are going to happen. That's just unfortunately part of life on earth like natural disasters do occur i think we are making them worse by pumping we're hastening them certainly yeah Yeah, it's it's certainly there is an element of maybe we should have left the fossil plankton in the ground yeah but but these things are going to happen regardless of the severity yeah and it is just true that so this tornado went through mayfield kentucky and it completely tore apart this candle factory there and I don't know what the death toll is from that one candle factory, but I think it's something like 40 or 50 people. Se- I think and, 70 now is what they're saying. Yeah, and... I could be wrong, though. So, they were not only, like, at work. It partially happened because they were trying to meet demands for Christmas. Like, yeah. you know, you burn a lot of candles at Christmas or some shit. I don't know. Regardless... The point being is that partially what's to blame here is capitalism, obviously, and it's the same thing as Amazon. 
um, that Amazon warehouse in what was it, Southern Illinois? I think it was Southern Illinois. Yeah, that there was a couple of yeah, and I read a lot of the like firsthand accounts of people in those warehouses, and I won't read them because they're extremely fucking dark and traumatic and awful. Um, but it is just insane to me that you've got an emergency weather event coming and you don't have something like <clears throat> i don't know I, I granted i don't really know the case with the amazon warehouse but the candle one i'm pretty sure that like they were being worked overtime and weren't able to like get to their phones to like know that this was on the way and i think it was like too little too late like by the time it got there and so a lot of people were sheltered inside of it yeah. and that tornado completely tore that town apart yeah, yeah, absolutely destroy it. And you know, you sp- you talk about you know meeting the demands of the Christmas season or whatever. And like one of the ways that particular facility was meeting those demands too was using prison labor. You sent me the thing. Yeah, there were people from I can't remember what county that is. Maybe Murray County or something. Uh, um, Mayfield is. I can't remember, man. I don't know if it's Fulton. It's one of those Western Kentucky counties. I'm not. Well, regardless, sure. the the um, the county jail was like just right across from the candle factory. Graves County. Graves, Graves County. County. Yeah, it's Graves County. Yeah. No, that candle factory was right across from the county jail, and they were using jail labor. And there was even one report that I saw that said that prisoners, you know, people held inside the Graves County Jail were running over to the candle factory to help dig people out. And, like, these people, as they noted in the report, like, could have run away. They could have used the opportunity to get the fuck out of there because they were in jail. And they went and helped out and tried to rescue people from the collapse of the candle factory. I mean, it's just stuff like that that you just i don't know man you just can't help but think like this again this was preventable this did not have to happen granted it's just like we just i hate this country we just make it so much harder to deal with bad things when they happen like obviously covid is the best example of that but we just make it so much more difficult to deal with bad things and um it's enough to drive you absolutely insane yeah yeah, it's and it's it's ever toward the goal of keeping the you know those wheels churning. You know, it's funny what I was telling you earlier that I was talking with my cousin and he was talking about all the things he hates about taxes. You know, every once in a while you probably see this if you talk to your dad or somebody. You see like a little gleam of like, keep going with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he was talking about some sort of something in the tax code to deal dealing with social security. Maybe it's a social security buyout or something. I forget what it is because I'm ignorant of financial instruments. But he was, t- but he, the very next thing he said to me was like, it's geared to force you to work for at least 30 years. Uh huh. And Dude, I was like, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and then he, he kind of got off the rails a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, but it is, it is weird that like we are, coerced by this by the 
a, the system. I mean, you know, I hate to say that because you sound so hacked, but you are coerced by all these various suppositions in the the system that are geared toward forcing you to sell your labor for at least 30 years. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. defined that way. There's weird right. there's a retirement age, an accepted retirement age, you know I what know. I mean? <laughs> for example. Yeah, and not only that, but like you're completely disposable at any moment. It's at the at yeah. a moment's notice. It's like Amazon making these fucking statements. Like our heart goes out to the work. Like you don't give a fuck. Like the the dude literally, your dude, your guy flew into space and said thanks for all my workers. Like th- they don't give a fuck about these people. Like yeah, it just dude, it makes it so surreal. Just like shut the fuck up. Just don't say all anything at all. My that let me live my best life, <laughs> while theirs are falling apart and immiserated. Dude, yeah. Man. Or many um, others, I shouldn't say. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So, anyways, I was looking for that statement. I couldn't find it. It is so... It is just really surreal, though. Um, Yeah, we're deeply saddened by the news that members of our Amazon family passed away as a result of the storm in Edwardsville, Illinois. Our thoughts and prayers are with the victims, their loved ones, and everyone who had been impacted by the storm's path across the U.S. And then someone responded and said, I'm an Amazon worker in Kentucky. Tornado hit two miles from my house, and I physically couldn't get to work for my shift. The ERC team told me that they had no record of tornadoes in Kentucky and couldn't help me with not getting attendance time reduced for today. So, yeah, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They lo- they care about the workers so much they deny the existence of extreme weather events. Yeah, <laughs> for work purposes, it's insane, dude. It's you know uh, this is probably the only area you could get by with that too. I'm not saying like these like all these captains of industry and their sort of uh, foot soldiers and minions and stuff haven't been fucking over workers forever, but this is probably the first era in American labor. Where like, like the the interpretation of reality can be bent to whatever's most advantageous to you. Oh, there's no tornadoes. You can come in. Uh, yeah, and get it's by ex- and get by and like pass that off with no repercussion. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, they'll they'll get nothing. The, nothing will happen to them as a result of this. This is a weird. It's almost like the like the evangelical belief in like speaking things into existence. Like this is the era we're in. We're in the name it and claim it era because it's like anything we say is like real. Whether it materializes or not, it's like real. That's we have phrases like living our truth. And that uh-huh. is our truth. I heard somebody say like in reference to the murder of Biggie somebody had given this testimony and this guy disagreed with it but he was like well you so you don't think that happened you think he's full of shit and then the guy said no i think that's his truth you know what i mean like yeah. it's a weird period we're in where like we validate every sort of thing and i'm going to tell you something not for nothing like the liberal world <laughs> has some culpability in that you know what i mean yeah well i mean it's weird it's like I don't know. I guess it's like a philosophical discussion that goes really far over my head because... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be like the splitting atoms discussion last week if we got... You know what I mean? Because you could 
you could just riff forever by keep on splitting them but right well that's the thing because ultimately all reality is your own experience right like right and is there even an objective reality like obviously but yeah there is because like i don't know i let me ask you this let's say that you here's an example i like to use and i used to just use this to like try to own my mom and people like in bible discussions but there's so there's uh two accounts of the death of judas in the bible and one is like the, the most popular one we know he betrays jesus with a kiss uh-huh. da, 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 da. he gets 30 pieces of silver he takes the silver back throws it on the ground and goes and hangs himself that's kind of the most accepted one. But there's another one in, in the other. I can't remember if maybe it's in Luke. But it's not. But in that one, Judas runs off and stumbles down a... Stumbles in a field and disembowels himself. <laughs> <laughs> and like I remember people... I bring that up to church people and they tell me, well, it just depends on your perspective. And I was like, well, those are two very different deaths though. That's like saying one newspaper says that this guy drowned and the other newspaper says he died in a car wreck. That's two very different deaths. You know, which is it? Well, I think the underlying, it depends on what lesson you want to draw from it. Because if he hung himself, then he realized his shame and he accepted it like uh, a a brave, he accepted it with bravery and courage at least. But if he ran away and disemboweled himself in a field, he was cowardly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, depends on how you want to see Judas. Was he, like, noble in the end, or was he a coward? I mean... Right. Yeah, I guess... I mean, that, I, I, mean, I guess... That is the distinction. But, but regardless of what you believe in terms of, like, how reality is set and who gets to make reality and, like, whatever, whatever... Or, you know, to the degree that there is an objective reality that we all share in versus not. Like, it, it is maddening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I, I, whatever you believe about it, it is, it, like, we're living in a period that is, like, very maddening. So, I don't know. Maybe that's one way to tell that there is an objective reality, I suppose. If it sucks ass... It must be real. <laughs> if it sucks ass, yeah, that's here's Yeah. Here's the ray test. Right. If it sucks ass, it's real. If it's, it's real. cool, it's an apparition. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> A mirage. A mirage, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh Damn. shit. That's Ray's law that's Ray's second law. That's Ray's, Ray's first second law, is, law right. Is, <laughs> what was Ray's first law? Ray's first law is that anything, literally anything, is po- has happened at least once. Anything yeah. is possible and has happened at least once. It's kind of like taking Murray's law like a step further. I think Mur- what's Murray's law is like anything, uh, like, what is it? Anything that can happen has happened or something like that? Yeah. Like, or no, I, think the, I forget. The, the classic example of Ray's law was... There has been at least some human being on the planet who dug up their father's corpse and fucked it. You know what I mean? Like that. That's was, the, yeah. That's the classic. That's the one that's taught in universities. That's the one that's taught in universities. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like that's a you know a crude example. <laughs> <clears throat> 
Yeah, I mean, but that's the funny thing. It's like, you know that that is, me saying that out loud, it's like, of course that's happened. But then you say, of course that's happened. <laughs> yeah, but I, and I, you know, back when you said that, I was like, I, I said, no, that's not. But I, that was just because I didn't want it to be real. You know, and that's that, that, that gets to a whole other discussion about reality. Truly. Because there's things you don't want to be real, but they are real, my friend. I'm sorry yeah. to tell you. There is two. Uh, there is one good thing that happens when you have like a horrible dream and you wake up and realize it's just a dream, or when you have a horrible reality and you wake up and then you're like, "Oh wait, that wasn't a dream." Right. <laughs> that is the worst. That's a horrible feeling. That is a terrible feeling. Damn. Well, there's also friendship, and friendship is real, and there's love, and love is real. But the thing about love is, it's really complicated because. You can do things out of love that are also in your own self-interest. And plenty of, like, father-son, mother-daughter, <clears throat> parent-child relationships have been very fraught with that very basic um, premise, with that very basic <laughs> fact. Particularly the people that are the subjects of <laughs> Ray's Law, the most popular <laughs> example of Ray's Law. That's, we ain't even going to go there. But Exactly. Oh, man. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess you can hold on to those things. Love, however ill-defined, friendship, and misery. (laughs) Well, I think the best piece of advice I've ever gotten, okay, and this came to me when I was going through a traumatic breakup and a lot of, you know, just nothing was going right. And it's, in the moment, that stuff feels earth-shattering because it is you know the severing of the familial ties you've built in a romantic relationship or Uh even if it's losing a parent or whatever it is like that is always going to be painful but if you're blessed enough to get through that with the benefit of hindsight you can in a way you can kind of be thankful that you have experienced the whole breadth of human emotion and experiences dude it's true i mean and I and I believe that's true because you know I have had that experience of I'm thankful I went through it, but goddamn, when I was going through it, I would have done anything to avoid it, you know. Well, yeah, um, it's like what was Giacomo's what was Giacomo Casanova's last words? Um, like I could I can say <laughs> as he was con- digging up his as he was digging up his dead father. he said he uttered this (laughs) i think it was something along the lines of i lived or something yeah jesus (laughs) i lived bitch (laughs) you know well i I, yeah i don't know man it's a very complex thing you're right i mean yeah you go through something really hard and you say um yeah, and it does make you feel a little more enriched on the other side. But at the same time, you want to create a world where, like, those hard times are not made so bad that your psyche completely shatters. Shatters like, and you lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be clear, yeah, in in a healthier world, <laughs> those things would be a lot easier to deal with, I think. Yeah. But, and also, the other thing, too, is there's there's no nobility in suffering either. So what I'm, what I'm saying is yeah. that's just some solace you can take 
if you have to go through those things, but you should try to avoid those things if you can. <laughs> right. <laughs> because they can shatter your brain and they can make you, uh, you know, go build a, a god machine or make <laughs> or you think t- you're a Egyptian deity from antiquity. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Life is a very complex thing. It's a very complicated thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I had I had something I was going to say, and I totally forgot. Something about Casanova. Ray's Law, perhaps. Ray, what was Ray's second law? Yeah, if it sucks, it's real. It exists in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> if it sucks, it's real. <laughs> Okay, uh, well. well, that's about all I have to say. Um, I know that there are, like, sh- funds. There are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Crowdfunding, uh, yeah, support yeah, yeah. Relief and relief fund. funds. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. My brain is firing, on, firing in at least one cylinder, on at most one cylinder today. I feel you, man. Uh Spent last night trying to convince some parents of two children that their elf on the shelf was fucking weird and they need, like, no adult should be engaged in that behavior. What is elf on the shelf? Glad you asked, Terrence. Elf on the shelf is, a lot of people will already know this, but for the uninitiated, something that's gained popularity in the last 10 or 15 years, I guess, where parents will put an elf, and they all have different names like winkle bottom and uh <laughs> you know uh you know even some simple names like edgar right <laughs> but usually something weird and germanic and then <laughs> the parents will move the elf at different times and what's funny is i didn't think anything about this because my sister did this with my nephew and when he was like young and stupid it would just be like so funny to see him say <laughs> winkle bottom moved and just have this goofy ass <laughs> smile on his face. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you poor bastard. Somebody's going to break your heart and something bad might happen to you in the future. But embrace this right now while you're here. So I don't want to <laughs> take away that childlike joy. Right. But the I, innocence. You, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. here's the thing with like, is the same with like uh, Cokes and booze and cigarettes. If you never know those things, you might not know the pleasure you can get from them. And I think it's incumbent <laughs> on our parents to abolish Elf on the Shelf. Because it moves, man, and then it says, like, like you know what I mean? Like, if it doesn't move, it's indicative uh, that you've been a bad kid. So, really? like, if you fuck up one day and just leave the elf for, like, for three days in a row, that kid's going to sit there and think that, like, what did I do to draw the ire of Santa Claus? Oh, bro, you know? okay. And, oh, and okay. shatter his psyche way earlier than maybe yeah. normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um... Okay, so imagine what it'll do to that kid. Now imagine what it would do to a kid for about eight years of his life from, oh, I don't know, age 13 to 21. But the it, the uh, elf on the shelf isn't an elf. It's God. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, t- thinking you are constantly oh, yeah. disappointed and failed God. <laughs> That's true. By comparison, elf on the shelf might be way healthier for a child. Yeah, you're right. I don't know, though. I don't know. Uh, I guess there are demonstrable effects, and it's not all left up to interpretation. 
Like, that'll really fuck with you. Yeah. Like, never knowing for sure if you've fallen out of God's graces. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which is something I'll even be pondering on my deathbed. <laughs> Did I do enough? Am I going to get in? Is this even real? And it's like, oh, man. We're just... We're just fucked as a species. <laughs> just make the best you can out of it. This December, man. I mean, if you're not talking like this in December, um, I'm very jealous of you. That's why I have to tell everybody. Like, if you feel insane, trust me. <laughs> just let it, this fucking month pass. Just you really got to weather the storm, though, man. You really do. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you got to stay in the pocket and just get through. All right. Really, uh, um, really just, uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Do what? I, yeah, yeah. I was just, that's, that was it. I was trying to correct them about Elf on the Shelf and trying to tell them, like, why is the most festive holiday one where a, a guy goes down a chimney while you're sleeping and leaves gifts and takes your milk and cookies? And then <laughs> now we've added a little flourishes like the Elf on the Shelf thing. It's just... <laughs> It's not. It's weird. not okay. Um, yeah, there was a link I saw. I have no idea. See, this is the thing. Like every time I get, like something bad like this happens, and I look for like places to like give to or whatever. It's like, how do I know this isn't someone just like exploiting this situation? Anyways, I know the the University of Kentucky College of Medicine has a GoFundMe. I think that's probably pretty. Legit, and then, uh, yeah, I know uh, Coach Cal, who's in hot water after losing Notre Dame yesterday, is doing a telethon on Tuesday. So if you, if that's Damn. more your speed, whatever. But yeah, that you could you could find sources uh, out there. I would I would think that the GoFundMe for the UK College of Medicine is probably best bet. I've heard. Uh, sordid tales about the American Red Cross, so I don't know. I, I'd probably air away from anything like that. But. Right. I think I'd have to agree. Um. All right. Well, we can look uh, into it and update people this week on the main feed and stuff. But I think, yeah. yeah, if you if you have the urge to give right now, I think that UK College of Medicine GoFundMe is pretty legit. Good idea, Tom. Good idea. Um. Thanks for sticking with us, folks, and having patience. Um. You know, it's just uh, one of those days, and I was I was like, "How are you gonna record? How, how the fuck are you gonna do this? Like, how do you? Um, I don't know. It's just a really bad day for the state and for this area. Hard and, to uh, add any levity or humor into it, and, but we 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 tried our best. <laughs> we tried our best. Yeah. So um, just be good to each other. Try to uh, help out as much as you can without actually going there. Um, it seems like. A lot of the things I've seen have said, like, don't go, you know, I mean, who knows, man, we live in such a fucked up reality now where I don't even, every statement or something like that that comes out of somewhere, I'm just like, where did this come from? Like, who is saying this? Why are they saying this? Like, you know, it's just, so you just got to keep your head on a swivel and do good. Use your best judgment. Use your best judgment. That's ultimately, that's just (laughs) all you can do. And, uh. There's plenty of you that that's a, a dicey concept for present company included. So, 
<laughs> maybe get a second opinion on what uh yeah. you know what your best judgment is but in never, any case i think right never a bad idea right <laughs> all right well thanks for listening this week everybody uh we'll be back on the main feed later this week and until then be well we'll see you next time <laughs>